Volume 1, Chapter 11 of the Heidenmauer, or the Benedictines, a legend of the Rhine, by James Fedimore Cooper. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Joel Kendrick. The Heidenmauer, by James Fedimore Cooper. Volume 1, Chapter 11. The Lady of Valeria is come to visit you. Coriolanus. A short ride brought the cavalcade of Count Emic to the gates of Hartenburg. When all had alighted and the guests with the more regular inmates of the castle were ushered into the hall, the lord of the hold again saluted Ulrich and her daughter. This freedom was the privilege of his rank, and of his character as host, and for its exercise, he once more received the grateful acknowledgments of Heinrich Frey. The females were then committed to the care of Gisela, the warder's daughter, who, in the absence of its more noble mistress, happened to be the presiding person of her sex in the place. "'Thou art thrice welcome, upright and loyal Heinrich!' exclaimed the Count heartily, while he led the Burgomeister by the hand into one of the rooms of honour. "'None know thy worth and thy constancy to thy friends better than the master of this poor castle, and none love thee better!' thanks well-born emic and such duty as one of poor birth and breeding can and should pay to a noble so honoured and prized i am little used to courtesies beyond those which we burghers give and take in the streets and may not do myself full justice in the expression of reverence and respect but i pray you heir count to take the desire for the performance wert thou the emperor's most favoured chamberlain thy speech could do thee more credit Though Durkheim be not Madrid, it is a well-respected and courtly city, and none need envy the Roman or the Parisian that dwelleth there. Here is my kinsman of Weiderbach, a knight that Providence hath cast a little loosely upon the world since the downfall of his Mediterranean island of Rhodes, and who hath travelled far and near, and he swears daily, thy town hath no parallel for its dimensions. Considered as a mountain city of no great magnitude, mine errand, we do not blush at the aspect of our ancient walls thou needest not and thou must have noted that i spoke in reference to its size monsieur latouche is a gentleman that cometh from the capital of king francis itself and no later than this morning he remarked on the neatness and wealth and other matters of consideration that make themselves apparent even to the stranger in thy well-governed and prosperous borough the burgomaster acknowledged the compliment by a profound inclination and a gratified eye, for no flattery is so palpable as not to meet a welcome with those who labor for public distinction. And Emic well knew that the police and order of his city were weak spots in Heinrich Frey's humility. Lord Emic scarce does me justice, returned the pliant abbe, since I found many other causes of admiration, the deference that is paid to rank in thy populace, and the manner in which the convenience of the honorable is respected, are particularly worthy of commendation. The churchman is right, Lord Emic, for of all the towns in Germany I do not think it easy to find another in which the poor and base are so well taught to refrain from thrusting their importunities and disadvantages on the gentle, as in our Durkheim. I think, my lord, the Count must have observed the strict severity and cautious justice of our rules in this particular. None know them better, nor does any heed them more. I cannot recall the moment, cousin Albrecht, when any unpleasant intrusion on my privileges hath ever occurred within its gates. But I keep you from refreshing yourselves, worthy friends. Give us leave a little. We will seek you again at your own convenience. The knight and the abbe took this intimation of the desire of the count to be alone with the burgomaster in good part, and withdrew without unnecessary delay. 
When alone, Emek again took Heinrich Frey by the hand and led him away into a part of the castle where none presumed to intrude without an especial errand. Here he entered one of those narrow rooms which were devoted to the secret uses, and which was well termed a closet, being in effect but a little larger and scarcely better lighted than the straitened apartments to which we give the same appellation in these later times. When fairly protected from observation and removed beyond the danger of eavesdroppers and spies, the Count threw aside his cloak, unbuckled his sword-belt, and assumed the manner of one at his ease. The burgomaster took a seat on a stool, in deference to his companion's rank, while the latter, without seeming sensible of the act, seated himself at his side in the only chair that the closet contained. Whoever has had much intercourse with Asiatics or with Mussulmans of the southern shore of the Mediterranean must have frequently observed the silent, significant manner with which they regard each other, when disposed to court or to yield confidence, the eye gradually kindling and the muscles of the mouth relaxing, until the feeling is fully betrayed in a smile. This is one of the means employed by men who dwell under despotic and dangerous governments, and where the social habits are much tinctured with violence and treachery, of assuring one another of secret faith and ready support. There is a sort of similar Freemasonry in all conditions of life, in which frank and just institutions do not spread their mantle equally over the powerful and the weak, superseding by the majesty of the law the necessity of these furtive appeals to the pledges and sympathies of confidence such in some degree was the nature of the communication with which emic of hartenberg now commenced his private intercourse with heinrich frey the count first laid his square bony hand on the knee of the burgomaster which he squeezed until the iron fingers were nearly buried in the fleshy protuberance each turned his head toward his companion looking askance as if they mutually understood the meaning of what was conveyed by this silent coquetry still notwithstanding the apparent community of thought and confidence the countenance and air of each was distinguished by the personal character and the social station of the individual the eye of the baron was both more decided and more openly meaning than that of the burgomaster while the smile of the latter appeared rather like a faint reflection of the inviting expression of the former than the effect of any inward impulse hast heard of last night's success abruptly demanded the count nothing of the sort hath gladdened me ere count my heart yearns to know all if it touches your high interests the mass singing rogues are stripped of their wine tribute of that much are they fairly and legally disburthened thou knowest of our long intended trial of heads i had intended to have prayed thee to be a second at the banquet but the presence of these idlers put some restraint on my hospitality thou wouldst have proved a staunch second in such an onset heinrich i thank my lord the count and shall deem the grace as good as accomplished in the wish i am not worse than another at board and may boast of some endurance in the way of liquor but the seriousness of the times admonishes us of civic authority to be prudent there is a wish in the people to be admitted to certain unreasonable and grave privileges such as the right of vending their wares in the market-place at unseasonable hours when the convenience of the burgomasters would be much vexed by the concession and other similar innovations against which we must make a firm stand lest they come in time to invade our general authority and cause an unnatural convulsion were we to give way to pretensions so extravagant air count the town would come to general confusion and the orderly and respectable city of Durkenheim would justly merit to be compared to the huts of those countries of which they speak in the distant land of america that hath so much of late given cause to writings and conversation we need therefore look to the example set for we have busy enemies who make the most of the smallest indulgences at another time i would gladly have drained heidelberg to your gracious honor 
Thou wouldst not have been in danger of observation here, and by the three holy kings of Colne I should know how to tutor any prying knave that might chance to thrust a curious eye within these walls. But thy discretion is worthy of thy prudence, Heinrich, for with thee I deem the time serious for all lovers of established order and of the peace of mankind. What would the knaves that they thus trouble thy authority? Are they not fed and clad? And do they not now possess privileges out of number? The greedy rogues, if left their humors, would fain envy their betters each delicate morsel they carry to their mouths, or each drop of generous rhenish that moistens their lips. I fear, well-born Emic, that this spirit of covetousness is in their vile natures. I have rarely consented to any little yielding to their entreaties, such as a wish to swell out the time of their merry-makings, or a desire like this of the marketplace, that the taste of the indulgence hath not given a relish for fuller fare. No, he that would govern quietly, and at his own ease, must govern thoroughly. Else shall we become illiterate savages, fitter for the forests of these Indies, than for our present rational and charitable civilization." Braver words were never uttered in thy council hall, and well do I know the head that conceived them. Had there been occasion to have summoned them hither for the banquet, the excuse should have satisfied, though the vineyards were the forfeiture. But what dost think, friend Heinrich, of the priests to-day, and of their warlike company? Tis plain Duke Friedrich still upholds them. And to deal frankly with my lord the count, the men-at-arms have the air of fellows that are not likely to yield the hill without fair contention. Thinkest thou thus, Burgomaster? Twere a thousand pities that men of tried metal should do each other harm, for the benefits and pleasure of a community of shaven Benedictines. What is there to urge in favor of pretensions so audacious as these they prefer, and which are so offensive both to me as a noble of the empire, and to all of any note or possessions in Durkheim? They lay great stress, Herr Count, on the virtue of ancient usages, and on the sacred origin of their mission. As much respect as thou wilt for rights that are sealed by time, for such is the stamp that gives value to my own fair claims, and many of thy city privileges come chiefly by use. But the matter between us is of abuse, and I hold it to be unworthy of those who can right themselves to submit to wrong. Do the monks still press the town for dues? With offensive importunity. If matters be not quickly stayed, we shall come to open and indecent dissension. I would give a winter's enjoyment of my chases were Friedrich more sorely pressed, exclaimed the Count, laying his hand again on the Burgomaster's knee, whose countenance he studied with a significance that was not lost on his companion. I speak merely in the manner of his being driven to know his true and fast friends from those who are false. Heinrich Frey remained silent. The Elector is a mild and loving prince, but one solely ridden by Rome. I fear we shall never have a tranquil neighborhood, notwithstanding our long forbearance until the Church is persuaded to limit its authorities to its duties. The eyelids of the Burgomaster lowered, as it might be in reflection. And chiefly, Heinrich, I am troubled lest my good and loving Durkheimers lose this occasion to do themselves right, continued the Count, squeezing the knee he grasped until the compact citizen flinched with the force of the pressure. What say they in the council hall touching this matter? There was no longer any plausible apology for the silence of the burgomaster, who did not answer, however, without working the heavy muscles of his face, as if delivered of his opinions with pain. Men speak their minds among us, noble-born count, much as Duke Friedrich prospers or fails in his warfare. When we hear good tidings from the other side of the river, the brotherhood fares but badly in our discourses. But when the electors, warriors triumph, we hold it prudent to remember they have friends. 
God's truth, Herr Heinrich. It is full time that you come to certain conclusions, else shall we be saddled to the end of our days by these hard-riding priests. Art thou not wearied with all their greedy exactions, that thou waitest patiently for more? In that particular, a little sufficeth for our humors. There is not a city between Constance and Leyden that is more quickly satisfied with pain than our Durkheim. But we are husbands and fathers, Herr Count, and men that bear a heavy burthen of authority, and we must be wary lest in throwing aside one portion of the load, space be found on our shoulders to place another that is heavier. When I would speak of your strong love to the town, there are distrustful tongues that question me sorely of its fruits, and of your own honorable intentions on our behalf to all of which thou couldst not be wanting of replies have i not entertained thee with my loving wishes in behalf of the citizens if wishes in our behalf could serve our interests the townsmen might in their proper right put in a claim to such high favor in the way of longing for our own success antwerp itself is not our better nay thou takest my meaning unkindly what emich of hartenburg wishes for his friends he finds means to perform but we will not trouble digestion as we are about to feed with those tiresome details i pray you Herr count not to doubt my means little troubles me when thou shalt yield to my humor what is not the count of lineage and master in his own castle not a word more will i hear till thou hast tasted of my poor hospitality did my knave serve thee as i commanded yesterday with a fat buck that fell by my own hand heinrich a thousand thanks mine heir they did and write cheerfully I gave the rogues a silver penny for their largesse, and the dust of the Jagerthal was washed away in heavy draughts of our wine of the plain. I would have it so between friends that there should be no niggardly reserve in the way of courtesies, said Emic, rising. Dost not bethink thee, Burgomaster, of looking among the youths of Durkheim for a son to stay thy age. Meta hath reached the years when maidens gladly become wives. The wench is not ignorant of her time of life, and the search of a suitable husband hath not failed to give me fatherly concern. I do not presume to compare our conditions and early lives in aught that is disrespectful, mine Herr Graf, but touching all that is common to great and little, the youth of this day seem not as they were in the time of our young manhood. Priest-ridden burgomaster, too much of Rome in our laws and habits. God's my life, when I first mounted steed in the courts below, I could have leaped the convent towers did a benedictine dare gainsay the feet. That would have been a miracle, little short of the raising of their convent walls, answered Heinrich, laughing at his companion's flight, and rising in deference to the attitude the noble had been pleased to take. These Benedictines have been careless of their advantages, else might they still have kept the circumstance of that miracle as much beyond dispute as it was in our young days, Lord Count. And what say they in Durkheim, now touching the affair? Nay, men treat it at present as they treat other disputable subjects. Since this outcry of Brother Luther, there have appeared many who call in question not only that, but divers others of the abbey's feats. The Count unconsciously crossed himself, seeming to ponder gloomily on the subject within his own mind. Then glancing towards his companion, he perceived that he was standing. I cry thy mercy, worthy Burgomaster, but my inattention hath given thee this pain. My leg hath been so much of late suspended in the stirrup that it hath need of straightening, but it should not in justice cause thee this inconvenience. I pray thee, Erfrey, be seated. That would ill become my station in your presence, noble and well-born Emic, nor would it do fit credit to my reverence and affection. Nay, I will hear none of this. Thy seat, Master Heinrich, and that without delay, lest I seem to overlook thy merits. I pray, mine Herr Graf, not to do himself this wrong. Nay, if it be your honorable will, I blush at mine own daring. If I consent, I call my lord to witness tis only in profound respect for his will. 
During this struggle of courtesy, the Count succeeded by means of gentle violence in forcing the Burgomaster to resume his seat. Heinrich had yielded with a species of maiden coyness, but when he found that instead of occupying his own humble stool, he had unwittingly been forced into the armchair of the noble, he rebounded from the cushion, as if the leather contained enough of the electric fluid to bid defiance to the non-conductor qualities of the ample woolen garment in which his nether person was cased. "'Gott, beware!' exclaimed the burgomaster in harsh, energetic German. "'The empire would cry out against this scandal were it known.' I owe it to my reputation to deny myself an honor so little deserved, and I to my authority to enforce my will and to proclaim thy deserts. Here the amiable force on the part of the Count and the courteous coquetry of Heinrich Frey were resumed until the latter, fearful of offending by longer resistance, was obliged to submit, protesting, however, to the last against the apparent presumption on his own part and against the great injustice which the Lord of the Hold was doing to his own right by thus insisting. A distinguished foreign orator once pronounced the titles of honor and the social distinctions that are conferred by the European governments to be the cheap defense of nations. This opinion strikes us to be merely one of the thousand bold fallacies that have been broached to uphold existing interests without reference to their true effects or to their inherent justice. This cheap defense, like the immortal Falstaff, who was not only witty himself, but the cause of wit in others, is the origin of a hundred sufficiently costly habits, that leave him who bears the burthen but little reason to exult in its discovery. We recommend to all one-eyed economists who still retain any faith in this well-known opinion of the English orator to read that letter in The Spectator, in which the city youth relates the manner he is driven to vindicate his own reserve to his fair country cousins, who would fain reproach him with an ungraceful disrespect of his holiday privileges, by reminding him of the calculations of the individual who refused to indulge in cheesecakes, because they brought with them so many other unnecessary expenditures. But whether honors of the description just alluded to do or do not form any portion of the economy of a nation, there is little question but flattery like this which Emic has just bestowed on the burgomaster is one of the subtle and most powerful agents of the great in effecting their secret purposes. Few are they, alas, how few, that possess a vision sufficiently clear and an ambition so truly noble as to look beyond the narrow and vulgar barriers of human selfishness and to regard truth as it came from God, without respect for persons and things, except as they are the instruments of his will. It is certain that Heinrich Frey had little pretension to be one of the scrutinizing and elevated class, for when he found himself fairly seated in the chair of the Count of Hartenburg, with the noble himself standing, his sensations were like those which are felt by the philosopher of the other hemisphere, who is authorized to put a ribbon at his buttonhole, or the tradesman of this who is elected to the common council of his native city after being run on both tickets. Still, he greatly regretted there was no one to envy his preferment. For, after the first soothing effect on his own self-love, that unquiet spirit which haunts us to the last, disfiguring the fairest pictures, and casting its alloy into every scheme of happiness, suggested that his triumph would be imperfect without a witness. Just as this rebellious feeling became troublesome, there appeared at the door of the closet the very being of all others that the burgomaster would have chosen to see him in the enjoyment of this high honor a gentle tap announced the presence of the intruder and when the authoritative voice of emic had given the permission the mild ulrich appeared on the threshold surprise was strongly painted on the features of the burgomaster's wife 
the husband had crossed his legs and was indulging in his ease with a sort of noble indifference to the unusual situation in which he was placed when this extraordinary sight greeted the eyes of his amazed consort so absolute and so tenacious were the rules of germany on all things that concerned the respect due to rank that even one as little troubled by ambition as the meek ulrich had great difficulty in believing her senses when she beheld heinrich frey thus suddenly elevated to a seat of honour in the presence of a count of leinigen nay enter without fear my good ulrich said emic graciously thy worthy husband and i do but indulge in mutual friendship while my varlets prepare an unworthy banquet do not think to break our discourse i only hesitate noble emic at seeing heinrich frey preferred to that seat while the lord of hartenburg stands like one of humble birth at his side touch not the matter mine frau said the husband condescendingly thou art a loving consort and art well enough amid thy sex and in questions that belong to thy breeding but in an affair like this between meinherr graf and me thou mayest only mar what thou canst not mend by the life of the princely karl master heinrich you do insufficient justice to ulrich's discernment were mine own ermengarde among us thou shouldst see that we prize thy loving wife a little less than we esteem thee but it were better that we inquire of ulrich the occasion of her visit before we attempt to school her on matters of deportment though so rough and unnurtured on many of the points that are now deemed essential even to an indifferent civilization emic had a quick interest for the perception of character and possessed as much of the refinement that marks a superior condition in life as the state of the age and situation of his own country permitted there can be no greater mistake than to imagine that mere nominal rank is any pledge for a correspondent degree of refinement since everything is relative in this world and where the base of the pillar is rude and little polished it would be a violation of all architectural keeping to expect a capital of a different style thus it is that we without any social orders but those of convention are struck with so many glaring discrepancies among people whose patricians have studied all that is factitious and plausible in breeding are still deficient in the grand essentials of reason and humanity simply because the roots of the society of which they are only the more luxuriant branches are planted in the soil of ignorance and debasement the count of hartenburg had possessed ample opportunities of witnessing how much the intellectual qualities of the burgomaster's wife were superior to those of her husband and he had sufficient discrimination and experience to be quite aware of the importance of conciliating such an ally and advancing his own particular views it was in this spirit therefore that he ventured on so blunt a reproof of heinrich's superciliousness and volunteered the compliment to the spouse probably hazarding the latter from an intimate conviction that most husbands are content to hear eulogies on those who are so completely in their power as their own wives since it is your honourable pleasure heir count for god's sake let the woman come in answered heinrich still however without changing an attitude so soothing to his self-esteem if she should see me seated in a presence in which it would much better become me to kneel why it may help to show that god hath given her a companion that is not altogether without the world's esteem little as he may merit it enter freely therefore good ulrich since it is my lord's pleasure but presume not on his condescension to me which is rather a mark of great love for our town than any matter connected with domestic life in all that the high-born count hath done honour to any of us whether as of jerkheim or as his unworthy neighbours i desire respectfully to be grateful returned the wife who by this time had recovered from her surprise and who now advanced farther into the narrow room with the modest self-possession which ordinarily distinguished her manner 
if I do not come amiss, I crave to be heard of both, in a matter that toucheth nearly a mother's heart, and a matter, as it is of Heinrich Frey's child, I would fain speak, that I trust may not be indifferent to my lord the Count. Were it of mine own, little Coonigan, the subject should not be more welcome, said the noble. Speak freely, then, gentle Ulrich, and with the same simplicity thou wouldst use were it only to thy husband's ear. Thou hearest, woman, mine Herr Graf enters, as it were, into all our tribulations and happiness, and he were no other than a brother. So mince not the matter, but deal frankly with us, though I admonish thee not to push thy words to all the familiarity of household discourse. As it is of a subject so near, I pray leave too close the doors before more is uttered. The words of Ulrich were cut short by a hasty gesture of approbation from her husband, and by the Count himself, who, with more of the consideration and manner of a gentleman, performed the desired office with his own hands, thus admitting the wife, as it were, into the very cabinet of their secret counsels. End of Volume 1 Chapter 11 Read by Joel Kendrick